0: Most people think their situation in a linear fashion, okay? As you're coming into either tracking or trapping a target uh, where's the intersection coming from? Are you stationary and the target's moving or the other way around? So it's just a matter of millisecond timing. The Marines used to say, hey, shoot between heartbeats. You know, beat rest, beat rest, beat fire. The problem is, is that the rest period isn't half of the beat cycle. It's arguably under 200 milliseconds. So if you need to take a faster picture of a moving uh, race car you have to think in a smaller increment so that's where these scales of resolution change up, and instead of looking at it linear, you're looking at it exponentially. Well, see, my competitors don't want to tell you what their secrets are because they don't know what they are themselves. <laughs> um, and I try and give as much information on how it works for the man, and I believe that that's where the training really resolves here. Your mind has to think faster, then the moment, and before the moment, to understand that approach in milliseconds. Think of it as buzz to fire as your your reticle comes in on the target. You have less time to think about it as it's coming in. In reality, it should be a point-bang, point-bang, point-bang type of an effect rather than going to the target hover around it and then okay i think i'll pull now it doesn't work that way
1: welcome to days in the wild big game hunting podcast i'm going into my 15th year of podcasting can't believe it's been that long i want to thank you all for helping me keep this fresh and staying motivated to bring you new content etc it hasn't been easy but uh it helps me fuel my own passion for hunting. Speaking of helping me keep this going, please go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags and use promo code John Stallone, all one word, to save twenty percent. And lastly, if you could go to Howlful Wildlife and become a member, we have partnered with Go Hunt, so now you could get your cake and eat it too. What I what do I mean by this? Well, you can go to Go Hunt and if you look at their Insider Full Subscription, it's one hundred forty nine dollars and with the insider you get the explorer as well so we have both packages but explorer is is their mapping software and it's completely dedicated just to hunting you know it's got the public and private land boundaries offline maps 3d point tracker and all the western states are included. It's a, it's a great tool. So you get that plus on, with the Insider, you get the advanced filtering and search tools, industry leading draw odds, unit profiles, and uh, easy to read state regulation overviews, and species profiles, and expert insights, and all this exclusive content plus monthly giveaways. So the Go Hunt Insider subscription is an awesome deal, right? But it's $149 a year. And if you've been on the fence and didn't know you, if you wanted to spend that $149, let me tell you, it's wor- really worth it. But we're gonna make it even sexier for you because if you come to Howl for Wildlife's site and you go to our membership portal and purchase a Insider or a Explorer package, you not only get a free subscription, to go hunt and get all those awesome benefits that we talked about, but you get all the benefits of becoming a for Wildlife member. And that includes our discounts with our partners, 20% or more with our partners. You are automatically included in the for Wildlife giveaway, monthly giveaways for gear and hunt giveaways for the year. Plus... As a 501c3, your portion of your membership is tax deductible and you're helping out a great cause. Alpha Wildlife is out there advocating for the hunter and helping educate the non-hunting public so that uh, we can keep doing this for, for perpetuity here and so that our kids and our grandkids can enjoy it and uh, it's a really great system and we're super thankful that uh, go hunt jumped on board with us and um, it's a great way to support helpful wildlife it's a great way to get awesome tools that you will use i use go hunt insider all the time i've been a member for a very long time and it's how i get a lot of my tags by doing the research through there and now you're getting extra stuff with it so it's a great great system so go check it out become a member today and uh, let's roll into this next episode. Thanks. Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about muzzle brakes and and triggers and long-range accuracy and you know, look at it from a little bit of a different perspective than, uh, than I have in the past. I've actually had this guest on before uh, some years ago and uh i actually think it was like six years ago It was back in season eight i believe um or more than that so yeah we're going into season 15 so it's been a while um i have john huber with us on from huber concepts and um we're gonna we're gonna pick his brain a little bit and kind of look at things a little differently how's it going john
0: oh hey we're here um i'm otherwise known as the trigger guy I'd like to say something first, John, I want to send out a salute and a prayer for for our vets, especially our Vietnam vets, that uh, we continue to lose these gentlemen and these fighters uh, from a generation or two ago. Um, I want to send a salute and a prayer out for these guys Uh, and all the people that have given their sacrifices. So uh, we continue to be on mission for those people. Absolutely.
1: Um, why don't you give us a little rundown about yourself and then we'll uh, we'll hit some questions.
0: Well, uh, pretty much I've had physics on the brain since I was a kid. I played with uh, GI Joe's, looked at the stars, and uh, tried to figure out how you catch a rabbit with a snare. <laughs> and since then, I got into manufacturing methods and hung around with some really awesome shooters in the meantime. And some very educated people and just love to hang around. What we do here is from the military standpoint. So I carry the torch for those that are still on the mission, trying to carry all those good qualities forward. Awesome.
1: So you guys there at uh, on your company, Huber Concepts, you're primarily building triggers and muzzle brakes what are some of the other things you you guys are getting into? Uh,
0: Actually, it's the the mathematics that we followed, the physics of it all. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding out that uh, uh, like in business, scales of resolutions is huge. The problem is, is that sometimes exceeds our human recognizing those factors. So, uh, recently, I installed a wire EDM machine, which cuts metal with uh, with a wire and electricity. Right. Um, the mathematics that follows is down to the ten to the minus fifth scales. In other words, extremely fine. Uh, there are those changes that I look at that most people can't recognize. So I find that in those very quick moments of how you release a trap to catch your quarry. Or fire a gun and hit your target in time. Mm-hmm. It's uh, mathematics and timing. If you if you don't keep those together, every every shot's a mess.
1: Exactly, I, and I know one of your one of your slogans is synchronizing synch- synchronizing the senses. So, I want to kind of go down that road a little bit. Well, let's let's first let's talk about the. The trigger and the design, and how you've changed what seemingly is a real simple mechanism using your mathematics and so on and so forth to better improve a person's accuracy and what like why it all works.
0: Oh uh, well, first off the triggers. It's attached to the gun, but it's more the tool, the the output device for the man. So for me to make this whole thing work, you gotta know a couple of things about the man. You gotta have pressures that are above like three quarters of a pound. Uh, most people sense pressures below that. They sense it late and they blow through it. Oops, I, I wasn't manning the fire because they couldn't feel it correctly. Right. The other one is a distance, a positional thing on your finger. Try moving your trigger finger 20 thousandths of an inch knowingly without exceeding that. That's a tough task. Uh, If you can recognize those moments in time, that's where the synchronizations work up with all your senses because your eye should be on the target uh, at any particular moment, ready to say, hey, the reticle is on the target. You're supposed to make the gun go off right now. Any delay changes that moment of intersection and your round occurs on the target at the wrong place and time. It, it doesn't happen. Uh, to make it all work, uh, like I say, I used to try and figure out how you catch a rabbit with a snare. And it was all in time and energy management. So I used mathematics to stack circles, arcs, and rotations, mm-hmm. and translate it into a mechanical device that can say, "Hey, here's the man that can take this device and play beautiful music in milliseconds."
1: Okay, so let's um, let's let's that's try to put the
0: that... gist of it right there.
1: Let's try to put that in some layman's terms. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take a crack at it only because I've had a lot of experience with your your trigger and your break because um, I've had them on my gun now for six or seven years now. So what you're saying is that your eye sees your sight picture. You got your crosshair on target, you and you see that your brain tells your finger. Okay, time to pull the trigger and this is all happening in you know milliseconds or whatever the process of you pulling the trigger back through mathematics and through you ever you the design on your your trigger is a roller roller isn't that
0: correct versus more or less yeah, yeah. I use some um, um, circles arch rotations that includes ball bearings in there too <laughs> gotcha
1: so And basically, so what that does is the time and the distance that your finger is moving on the trigger is synchronized
0: to what you're seeing in your sight picture. Right. Most people think their situation in a linear fashion, okay, as you're coming into either tracking or trapping a target – Uh, Where's the intersection coming from? Are you stationary and the target's moving or the other way around? So it's just a matter of millisecond timing, uh, so forth. Like these guys are doing drag race hole shots Mm -hmm. on a thousand feet. They're doing it three second runs at 350 miles an hour. And they're having to make the decision to pull the trigger in two to five Milliseconds which is extremely fast. Uh, The Marines used to say, hey, shoot between heartbeats. You know, beat rest, beat rest, beat fire. The problem is is that the rest period isn't half of the beat cycle. It's arguably under 200 milliseconds. So if you need to take a faster picture of a moving uh, race car, You have to think in a smaller increment. So that's where these scales of resolution change up. And instead of looking at it linear, you're looking at it exponentially. Uh, And that's where everything changes so quickly. Most people, oh, it's gone. Too late. (laughs) And that's just it. So it's it's mathematics. It's timing Mm -hmm. and being able to get it all into your situation, which is always moving.
1: Okay. So if I'm understanding correctly, I'm I'm holding my crosshairs on a target, okay? And let's just forget about an animal cuz it's it's even harder to realize with that. Let's where I'm holding it on a crosshair target, something that already has and I can line up the crosshairs with it. Got a, sm- a little small dot match up with my reticle and all that good stuff. So I see my crosshair moving on that target what you know depending on your right depending on your scope power you know more more so than not
0: if you have a heavy gun that motion is reduced it's not moving your g patterns or figure eights across the target as fast mm-hmm. but you got to realize that you're trying to pick the moment when you're coming onto the target not crossing it and most people sense that coincidence late and the round hit impacts the target late in time and that's uh, usually the result it misses
1: okay so now that that leads me to this like what what is it that you've done per se you know you don't have to exactly give us the the exact technical way that you did it but you've achieved eliminating some of that
0: by doing what with the trigger well, minimizing some of these overages of energies to trip the the trap without shuttering the gun through the moment. So if I can give you a good posture on the trigger and the gun mm-hmm. and separate the, the sensations of your trigger finger, you're not going to impart those energies to the gun and shudder it at the last second. The other one is i look at it this way if you're putting too much energy to move the trigger it's gonna move your aim point so mm-hmm. the nominal pressures for a man are think of a three-quarter pound trigger not from zero that's the minimum energies that are safe i've got 10 8 and 10 year old kids that'll impact a thousand yards in a mile mm-hmm. with a pound and a half trigger it's um it's where you separate your time and energies right there at your finger. Right. So, if I can preload you closer to that moment and you don't realize you moved your finger in 20,000s, I get the trigger to break before the rabbit gets out of the snare in 10 to 13,000s. By the time you realized you moved your finger, the trap's sprung and the rabbit's caught. And the round impacts the target before you realize you moved your finger mm-hmm. through the recoil of it all. So it's it's understanding what happens in these very short moments of ten to the minus third, fourth, and fifth scale mathematics that what? That's right over everybody's head. But if you think about how it functions the way the man thinks in time. Mm -hmm. It's like playing beautiful
1: music. And I can picture it. It kind of makes, that makes sense to me what you're saying. Obviously. Um, It's not, you know, it's it's hard to comprehend, you know, (laughs) it's, it's hard to comprehend the, uh, the math of it. And of course that's not my job to, I'm just going to pay the money and buy the trigger and, and, and pull the trigger, but it's cool to, To see how much you've actually put into giving us a product that's different than just, you know, having, oh, you know, a crisp glass break or a low poundage trigger or whatever. Um, It's truly something different than what your competitors are doing.
0: Well, see, my competitors don't want to tell you what their secrets are because they don't know what they are themselves. (laughs) Um, And I try and give as much information on how it works for the man Mm -hmm. and... I believe that that's where the training really resolves here. And I'm trying to help you on the battlefield. You know, I'm a prior Marine and I need the best equipment because I can't write home for mommy to send me new parts when they break in the middle of a battle. So I have to rely on my equipment to follow through. And it works with me every time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I see such improvement in people's accuracies it's uh, they're able to uh, shoot farther than they ever have before with greater accuracies in themselves and to me that's a greater internal confidence brian litz uh he's uh, works with applied ballistics in michigan mm-hmm. uh, and he'll tell you everything that there is about uh um Uh, bang the target, the exterior ballistics of the performances of the gun on the round. But he doesn't have uh, the vision of going ahead and thinking about the man on the gun who has to make all the decisions in the function of that gun to do its job. Uh, And the better you can be at that of the man, in addition, I think the whole process is going to be much better um, success all the way through. So I try and teach the man more than it's just applying a, a lever to your rifle. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a timekeeper. It's a camera shutter. It's capture the moment. Yep. That's well, well put. I,
1: I have on my gun, I have the, the two-stage trigger some people have shot it and they're like oh I don't like it I don't like. It. I don't like the the travel and so on and so forth I find it that I like it a lot better I wish I when I, when I built that gun originally that I would have went with a lower poundage cuz back then I was really concerned about uh safety and and so on
0: and so forth. Um like a, oh, bran- a I had branch to go grabbing. through a huge ringer because all the military guys says you gotta have three three and a half pounds on there to be safe. Uh NRA, uh CMP stuff. Oh, you gotta have a very heavy trigger. Well it's um oh you gotta use the stock gun. Well they were archaic in nature and they expect you to adapt to the gun versus adapt the gun to your way of shooting. So they posture your selection of firearms. But yeah. if you learn the better method, I think we've been lied to for a hundred years.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we have. Well, anyway, I was, I, what I was getting at was I, not many people know what, what it's two stage trigger is. Can you give us what the differences are between the single stage and you make both, you make both a single stage and a, and a dual stage. What, what are the differences and what uh and then let's get into like the benefits of having one versus the other
0: single stage it's usually uh 20 to 30 40 thousandths, and there's usually creep in there and people find it difficult to synchronize their uh head with their eye and the the firing of the trigger because everybody says well too much weight or too little weight, and they aren't sure, they aren't confident in the gun. So they're always anticipating a moment to say, hey, I'm on the target, I think. Fire. And this is where two-stage kind of preloads your finger and your senses to the condition of the gun and what you're choosing to say, hey, the coincidence decision moment, which is very short because the actual aim point's floating all over the target uh, from split second to split second. It's not necessarily on the target. So your mind has to think faster than the moment and before the moment to understand that approach in milliseconds. Think of it as buzz to flare as you're your reticle comes in on the target you have less time to think about it as it's coming in in reality it should be a point bang point bang point bang type of an effect rather than going to the target hover around it and then okay i think i'll pull now it doesn't work that way (laughs) So, so if you get a better handle of your timing you're much better off in all circumstances rifle pistol everything
1: from a usability standpoint and a mechanics standpoint, what is what? What do you feel? What's the differences in the feel of the trigger and the usability of the trigger
0: on the two stage? I can get you much closer to that moment of of the trap, <laughs> uh, and that's the whole thing. If if it's not anticipated, but hey, it's going to break very short, like breaking a rod of glass, click it's it's gone by the time you realize it it's that width of the wall can be too long it's like when you used to fire a muzzle loader Mm -hmm. you used to have to hold it on the target for what three and a half seconds before you saw the report cloud no i'm just exaggerating yeah, but, but it's it, but it feels that way. <laughs> delay in there. Yeah, there was all kinds of mechanical and delays in the functioning of that trap. Right. So you would lose time. So I get you closer to that moment of <laughs> of coincidence decision moment for the gun to say, "Hey, click now, bang." Right. Right. Um. So
1: one thing I want to add. So I think. What people have a harder time uh, getting used to from a dual stage, from a regular single single stage, is on a dual stage, you have X amount of travel of the trigger, and then you get to a point where you start to feel the resistance. And then that's where the actual uh,
0: glass break happens. Think Uh about your conditional feedback on, uh, say, a keyboard. You can rest your finger on the key, Mm -hmm. but then if you depress it, how far does it actuate the signal? So if you think about it as how you're playing the keyboard, the trigger is just a unique device. So it's a measured distance thing so it's a positional thing in how you measure your finger and most people don't have a real good tactile sense so this helps synchronize those motions of the man (laughs) in the time and position and that's that's where it's all in the respective human thresholds Mm -hmm. Um, guys will order a two and a half pound trigger and I'll say okay and they'll go to town, and they'll just love the trigger. Their accuracy will improve and their performance improves. And they'll call me up and they'll say, hey, as I got better, can you bring the weight down? <laughs> Typically, <laughs> the yeah, pound and a half to two pounds is, is right there. I've made a couple of 1.01 pounds two stage. So you got about a half a pound on each threshold hmm. and the energy to fire the trigger is like, yeah, you could blow on it, but it's, it's very specific. I carry the math out to three place decimals. And I look at the exponents Um in the movie matrix. Cypher was saying, Hey, I see blonde, blue nets out of the code. Well, I see the code. You guys see the blondes and the brunettes, Uh, but that's basically what you're looking at is just different terms of the math, and uh, it's neat. Uh, I'll be going out to Price, Utah, Memorial Day weekend. We're going to be shooting out to a mile out there. Mm -hmm. Usually in Wisconsin, hunting is 100 yards or less, so it's a big change that way. Flight time to a mile is about four seconds. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I've seen it.
0: (laughs) By the way, um, relative to the muzzle brakes, it's all mathematical and physics related too. I try to keep the gas column at speed and use it as a positional stabilizer. It keeps the gun orientation on the target. It's also a moderator for the uh, report Hmm. and the recoil impulse you put how much powder in the case behind that bullet to get it from the chamber to the muzzle. Mm -hmm. And I take that powder and I reuse it to stabilize the position of the gun after the bullet leaves. Okay, what what does that mean exactly? It's a ninety-five percent reduction in the uh, recoil impulse. It's also a ninety-five percent reduction in the um, energy that comes out of the the muzzle. It, it redirects it and keeps it at levels that are spread out over time again. And and basically, it's just how you break it down over um, a couple of inches coming off the gun. Mm -hmm. It's uh, more mathematical, but it's energy management too.
1: So what what does a positional stabilizer mean exactly? It sounds awesome, but what what does that do?
0: when you fire a gun, as long as the bullet's in the barrel Mm -hmm. from chamber to the muzzle, it's pushing back on the gun. Mm -hmm. And that's the recoil that, okay, once the bullet leaves, all the other recoils continue to occur, and you feel that bad recoil. In effect, when the bullet leaves the muzzle, the brake takes all that energy and reverses it back on the mechanism of the gun. And that's where it's reusing all that spent energy from the gun to push on the bullet it puts it back into the gun it keeps it from pushing on your shoulder it moderates the concussion force that comes back along the gun Mm -hmm. and keeps it off to the sides it's uh uh, you can see over the cloud of it it's uh it's a momentary flash if anything um but it's complete usage of your gunpowder Whatever caliber, I built these things for fifty BMGs, and uh, it displaces all that energy too. So um, I'm finding the more energy you throw at it, the more it'll abate the, the recoil. So
1: let me let me take a crack at it. So basically, what's happening is it's taking the energy that would continue to push against you and starts for all for lack of better terminology pulling the gun back away
0: from you is that correct it as soon as the bullet leaves it's already pulling the gun forward again (laughs) and that's what it feels like somebody put a parachute out there and it grabbed it
1: got it so what And had there not been, that energy would have just continued to keep going back. So you're only getting recoil for the time – you're only getting pressure coming back towards your shoulder for the time that the bullet is in the barrel.
0: Correct. Okay. Absolutely. So all the rest of that energy, after the fact, I'm reusing it. And it it just dissipates it off to the side. It's interesting to see under slow motion Mm -hmm. uh, photography. uh, And instead of getting a muzzle lift, depending on the harmonics of the barrel and the gun, it just stays in position. It doesn't, you know, bounce up or start vibrating left or right or any of that stuff. It's all asymmetric equalizations of the energies that you put into the gun. Okay. I think I got it. <laughs> yeah, the math is just over the top, and yeah. basically, well, if, if you understand, hey, it's going to help you shoot better. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's all. That's all that Why any of us really delightful. need to know, right? We know that. We only need to know that it's going to do the job that we that we've uh, been told it was going to do. You know, what 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 the marketing says, right? Um, Absolutely. I know for me, from when I talk from pr- from a practical standpoint, and I have this on my 300 Rum, which is, you know, is a gun that would normally kick like a mule. And I have a super light setup. I have a carbon fiber barrel, carbon fiber stock. Everything was done on that gun. The whole gun with the scope and everything is seven and a half pounds. Okay. Super light. So I don't have the benefit. Yeah, it. Remington
0: Ultra Megs, buddy, it, yeah. it takes all that energy and puts it back into the gun forward.
1: <laughs> yep, and that gun, my my, at the time, ten year old daughter shot her coos deer at six hundred yards with that gun, and um. Huh? You know, she used maybe sixty something pounds at the time. You know, so it, yeah. it really does like might it it doesn't have a lot of kick. When my I had an old browning A bolt in and it was a three hundred wind mag, it wasn't even an ultra mag, and that that thing we used to knock the
0: filling out of your teeth, you know. Um and if it had a browning boss, it would throw the concussion right back down the yes. barrel at
1: you. Yep, exactly. So that's the next thing I was gonna say is one thing I've noticed about the design of yours because it's ported just to the sides and it's a square, which in my, like, I feel like if you line it up where the barrel is, you know, um, parallel to the horizon of whatever you're shooting, right? It, it's perfectly square and those, those ports are to the side only. It controls the the front of the gun. You won't get any left to right movement. I mean, I can't say any because you're going to No
0: deflection, so right. left, right. right, up or down you know, uh, relative.
1: Right, exactly. And, that, and, and then lastly, from a hunting standpoint, you don't get a bunch of dust and dirt thrown back in your face when you're laying prone on the ground and you're shooting because there's no ports on the bottom or, you know, to aggravate the, the dirt below, right? So it comes straight out the sides right. and you That's- don't have that percussive or uh, concussive force coming back at you with
0: a with bunch of dirt <laughs>
1: to get in your eyes. What I
0: believe is if you look at most brakes they have small tiny shave edges with which they want to direct these gas pressures and stuff. The problem is, is you want to get rid of the pressures, you want to get rid of the gas column after the fact and utilize it to push back. So what I do is if I Shave off the gas column at velocity and throw it against the walls of the porch, not through the porch. I got a lot of surface area there that I can push against. It's like opening up a parachute in a wind column. It's going to blow you, take you along with it. So I do that. I use more surface area of the side of the porch versus the holes themselves, and that's what does all the work. Okay, that, I, and
1: just—I can visualize that now. I can see what you're saying. So, as you get to each uh, row of ports, the gases are starting to escape and push as they're going out to the sides. They hit the walls of those of those ports, and they're
0: spinning. It's like little gyroscopes that are counter-rotating, and then when they exit to the square opening in the sides, it's kind of like a poof. And all the gas changes up and it dissipates right there. No pressures, no velocities. It goes to zero pressure outside the brake. But the gas column isn't behind the bullet. There's virtually nothing that comes out the front, is there? Uh, John, you may have seen some sooty, sooty sides between the ports. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see how effective it is. Where that sootiness dissipates toward the front of the brake, it's not there because all that gas column was dissipated before the bullet left the brake. Gotcha.
1: I I could actually like I'm, I'm visualizing that now, and it makes makes perfect sense. Because I mean, honestly, when I had you on last time, I kind of I didn't really I don't think I grasped exactly what you we're trying to explain with it but now now i could like i could see it i could see that
0: <laughs> the the mechanism that actually pulls the gun forward and, and it's just math and timing if you forget those two things to me ballistics is physics and half of your mathematics is in time and if you forget those last two go home you're missing everything <laughs>
1: yeah, right well let me ask you this given Given my experiences with the bow and arrow and my uh, applied experience with physics, you always have to give up something to gain something. What to gain the control and gain that, you know, ability to uh, limit the felt recoil? Are we giving up? Anything performance-wise on that
0: bullet? Negative, nothing. It, um, it just It's an energy moderator for you on the gun. And that's why it's beautiful, because the round is already out of the bullet or out of the muzzle brake, uh, free of any harmonics effects also. I believe the brake also moderates some of that harmonics of the barrel and the gun um Mm -hmm. also kind of giving it that pull forward feeling on the whole mechanism
1: have you done since since i've gotten your your trigger and your muzzle brake have you changed anything to the design have you made any improvements or done anything like that to further along the performance of either
0: oh Absolutely, but just improving my scales of resolutions and economy of scales in business. Mm-hmm. It's I'm finding out that being a one man shop has its downfalls. You get to make some neat stuff, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, in doing that, I have improved the body style. So I have two of them now: aluminum and steel body. I've also done um, mass changeups in for the brakes as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, With the use of the wire EDM machine, I'm achieving some of these really low-scale, 10 to the 5th mathematics and tolerances where the human may not feel the difference, but I get to see it every day. So we're making improvements in the mathematics before the mechanics and and we're seeing it in people shooting.
1: Awesome. We're going to get to uh, John's got a good a good uh, hunting story for us here. You guys definitely take a look at some of his products. Um, I did a review on it years ago on my YouTube. You can take a look at that. Um, we're probably going to do a little collabo here pretty soon and do another little video of John demonstrating some of the stuff and, uh we'll, uh, we'll get that up eventually. But
0: um, I don't uh, come with lipstick by the way. I don't need it. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, let, let's get into one of your uh, good hunting stories, boy.
0: The last year or so, I lost a lot of friends and family. Um, one of them was Mark Heinbach. He lived up the lake uh, with me, had a big collection of old guns, like 400 of them. Oh, and he didn't have anything with my products in it. So he orders up a Remington Long Action rifle, brand new, 7 millimeter Remington Action. He wanted to put a trigger and one of my muzzle brakes on this gun. Uh, He ordered it up using my FFL. I do transfers. Mm -hmm. The gun shows up two days after he died. He had a diabetic condition. And I'm sorry to say I lost another Vietnam veteran buddy of mine. At any rate, his sister says, keep the gun. Mark, remember Mark. So I didn't waste any time putting a Threading the barrel, putting a brake on it, and putting a, about a one pound, seven uh, ounce, uh, 1.7 pound trigger in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, took it out to our side in at Isaac Walton League and two rounds to zero this seven millimeter Remington mag. One round confirmed it. Fourth round was pleasure uh on a really nice rifle Mm -hmm. so i took it up north hunting for deer uh, as backup to my 30-06 well my buddy steve's browning wasn't shooting good uh it couldn't hold a one foot group at 100 yards so i said here take this it's a brand new rifle it's got four rounds through it he got up in his tree stand a little bit late And next thing you know, I'm several hundred yards away. I hear this shot. Didn't sound like a seven millimeter Remington bag. Um, I get over there. He says, amazing. It just went off on the deer. (laughs) (laughs) He had just gotten up into his stand and at 170 yards bagged a nice looking doe. Just, he says, it's just, I put the crosshairs on the deer and fired and it went down. I lost track of it. so, the fifth round out of a brand new rifle was meat.
1: Nice. That's awesome. Well, uh,
0: that's that's how dramatic the effects are.
1: Yeah, when people are not used to that level, I think it's well, you know, it's it's somewhat surprising like you're you're not you're not ready for it and it's almost good because it usually beats your flinch mechanism um it
0: does it follows it
1: yeah so i mean that's always uh you know what you want to do i think over time once you've shot it enough times that kind of goes away a little bit because your your anticipation uh, um it's that hesitation that delay
0: that you're minimizing
1: yeah it meets up with that but um yeah, no, it's that's that's an awesome awesome story. I'm sure uh, I'm sure your buddy Mark was uh, was in that tree stand with him and uh, helped make that happen. Another
0: observation of what goes on out in the in the tree stand from the very same place uh, a couple of years back, um, I had four deer come out and at about 130 yards cross in front of me. Well, I put a shot on one of them. And the other deer didn't look to the sound of the noise. They looked at the impact on the other deer. So that attention that the muzzle brake attributes to not sending the the noise down range makes a big difference on the, the character of your hunting capabilities when you have multiple targets in front of you.
1: I never thought about that. Well, I mean, no, I honestly, I think about that all the time with the bow and arrow because that's a very real thing. You know, the, the sound of the bow going off, the sound of the arrow cleaving through the air. Um, you know, we, I look at that stuff a lot. So I, I guess I never thought about looking at it with a gun because I don't know with a gun. I'm, I'm like, if I, I usually, don't have to pull the trigger more than once, but it's just, uh,
0: you know, like uh, it's how sound works too, yeah. and how we interpret it out there in the real world. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: I want to thank you for coming on, John. It was uh very informative and definitely above most of our heads. But the 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 end goal here is, or the not the, necessarily the goal, but the 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 remaining messages here is: there are products out there, there are things out there that will not just you know uh exceed the hype but will actually do you know will actually improve your accuracy
0: um I love teaching good proficiency I'm just not good at marketing <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah you know I you know there's uh there's something to be said about that you, you you've definitely got a you know a niche going for you um you know I'd love to see you succeed in a in a, in a grander scale. But, uh, you know, we, we definitely have to do a lot. T- <laughs> definitely have to do a lot I of things have different winners,
0: uh, across the precision rifle league national or precision rifle series, national rifle league. Uh, a young lady named Allison Zane mm-hmm. finished eighth place last year at 17 years old her dad Frank Zane is a prior marine like I was also I have numbers of shooters that uh, continuously go out to the king of 2 miles out in New Mexico uh, so we're we're trying to cover all of the uh, the the uses of what makes a better shooting experience whether it be hunting or long range mm-hmm. or just being able to hit a target under difficult circumstances so we're there to help the man versus just make your gun better. I'll
1: tell you what. What we need to do
0: is we need to get you out
1: here. We need you get together with Anthony and Phoenix Shooting Bags and you guys put on a, a school day course.
0: Whatever. We can do that.
1: Yeah, and get something together like that. We'll, we'll get a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the listeners of the we show to come out. We have previously
0: gone around the country. Um, we hung around with Rex Reviews For several years, Mm -hmm. uh, and we're still getting feedback from that, also. Uh, So we're trying to get the message out there. Uh, Continue to march, I guess. Yep.
1: (laughs) All right, John. Thank you very much, buddy. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you. Thank you very much, John. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming helps us keep this free. Do me a favor, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word, and check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.